0: everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Got a special guest with me today in the studio. He is the owner of Instant Classic Media, operations consultant for Labors of Love, and the producer for the Labors of Love podcast. Coincidentally, he happens to be the love of my life and daddy to my babies, Mr. Jay Sugg. Welcome.
1: Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here.
0: So let's jump in. So, uh, I'm going to start, besides thanking you for uh, being my first guest on the podcast. I mean, you're always here, but appreciating you kind of stepping to the mic. I'm going to start by asking you what I plan to ask all of my guests, and that is, what is your labor of love?
1: My labor of love is sports. Um, Talking about sports, dealing with sports in an entertaining fashion that's not how it is on TV where they're just kind of arguing and trying to be the loudest one in the room. want to kind of highlight the joy, the fun, the jokes um, of sports on a daily basis.
0: Okay. And is that how, what you do through Instant Classic Media?
1: Yes, it is. Um, We have podcasts. We're going to have some written content, some video content as well, um, where we're able to bring out the fun. Okay, so
0: talk to us a little bit about how sports became a labor of love for you. What impact has sports had on your life?
1: Well, as a kid, like a lot of kids growing up, we played basketball all day from like in the summer, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., stopping to get something to eat, and then going right back out to the court um, all day with my my brothers. Um, We would play, and then we would watch the games During the season, we used to have friendly rivalries. Um, I know my one brother, he's a huge Shaquille O'Neal fan. So those Orlando Magic Chicago Bull battles back in the day, it became real, real personal. Each, each win, each loss, each, uh, we would make them pay on the bus in the morning, um, depending on whose team won or lost-hmm
0: so to clarify definitely not to minimize the relationship but to clarify when you say your brothers you're not talking about biological brothers you're talking about a brotherhood that was forged from close friends growing Correct. up yeah okay. Yeah. And what role does sports play? I mean, I know you talked about, you know, you liked sports together, but was there kind of a role that sports played in creating this brotherhood?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I moved to Cincinnati when I was 14, Um, didn't know anybody, and there were kids playing basketball at the corner. So that's, you know, how I met um, one of my brothers. Um, The other one, we had science class together, and during science class, we wouldn't be paying attention to science who'd we'll be talking about Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan, um, uh, the okay. entire class. So, mm-hmm. and that, and then he happened to live next door to the one I was playing with. So, um, it just became natural that the three of us became tight.
0: Okay. That's cool. That's really cool. So sports as a unifier is definitely, I think, um, a, a concept that is not uncommon for a lot of people, Um, so something else that you've said to me personally, um, throughout our time, knowing each other that I find to be very interesting that's related to sports is that, um, growing up, you were not particularly close to your dad Mm -hmm. and there were kind of these two figures that you've mentioned who you kind of look to, to, maybe learn or understand some aspects of manhood that you weren't learning from your dad. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, there were two people who I kind of looked up to growing up. One was Heathcliff Huxtable because he had the ideal family. Um, You saw the way he would deal with everybody. And then the other was Michael Jordan. I was a huge Bulls fan. So a lot of, you know, how I kind of had my esteem actually was through the Bulls and through MJ. So um, when he retired that first time in like 94 Like, I remember my mother coming to me in the morning, you know, while I was getting ready for school and letting me know that Michael Jordan retired and almost brought me to tears. Mm. Gotcha.
0: So. So sports have been around for you for, you know, a long time and they have a very pivotal role in your life. What do you hope to bring? So when we talk labor of love, what... What do you want instant classic media to be for people to provide for people to, you know, how do you want it to impact the world, the community, things like that?
1: So people love sports. Um, There's a saying that there are two things that make men idiots and that is women and sports. Hmm. So I want to be able to bring like some intelligent dialogue regarding sports, but also some fun. Um, You know, people enjoy laughing, bringing up sports is a common, it's a unifier. So You can have nothing in common with the man next to you or the woman next to you. But if you both are wearing that, you know, Yankees jacket, you immediately have a sense of community. Um, So you know that, hey, we have something we can talk about. We have a unifier here. So I want to be able to bring that to the masses by showing, you know, having fun, laughing at the same things, bringing together intelligent dialogue instead of just a screaming match that you see on TV. Okay. Um, So
0: in relating that in the trauma world, we... Uh, very frequently talk about resilience. I don't think you should talk about trauma without talking about resilience. And uh, one of the top five resilience factors for people who overcome their trauma and don't go on to repeat it is affiliation. And what I hear you saying is so closely connected to affiliation. So here's an example of how I I train and talk about affiliation. If I'm, excuse me, especially in Ohio, if I'm doing a training, we're well into the training, people have gotten comfortable, they're feeling safe. Um, my my um, personality is established within the room, but so is my expertise. When we get to affiliation, I say, let me show you how deep affiliation runs. And I will then say that I am a proud graduate and fan of the University of Michigan. And almost without doubt, there are numerous boo uh, blah, blah, <laughs> coming from across the room, and I'm like, "No, this is great, perfect. First, that's why I don't leave with this in the state of Ohio, right? You already like me, so let's remember that, you know we get a few laughs, but then i I said, I will say, raise your hand if you had some kind of reaction to me saying that about the University of Michigan. And I'll get numerous people to raise their hands and it's, it's lighthearted and fun, but then I'll say, perfect. Now I want you to stand up if you actually attended the Ohio State University. And of that, if 10% stand, it's a, it's, a, it's a good room. You know what I mean? That's a big number. And what I go on to explain is that affiliation is such that you don't have to have gone to the school you know, you may not have even stepped foot on the campus before, never attended a game, but the sheer fact that you live or were born or have strong ties to the state of Ohio connects you to this sporting team and you feel this connection, their rival becomes your rival. That's affiliation, feeling like you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And so what I have seen sports do is create this feeling of community and family for people that would potentially otherwise be on very opposite sides of certain communities and are on various different sides of certain communities. So I do appreciate sports for being kind of a thing that brings people together. I've also noticed that it's not just your rival becomes my rival but it's your pain becomes my pain and mm-hmm. you and i we we talk about this and you you always talk about this when i'm talking about my work and how labors of love will expand and what we'll do and you'll always say what to me
1: i don't remember <laughs> sports trauma is oh, real yes sports <laughs> trauma is real <laughs>
0: I promise he says it all the time, y'all. <laughs> like, what do you mean you don't remember? Okay. So sports trauma is real. So we say it kind of in this like joking Is you know, that should be some branch of labors of love at some point. But let's talk about what you mean by that.
1: So sports trauma, I feel like that fan bases as a community, they have collective trauma. So there could be, like, a sporting event, and at the exact same time, you know, you can see, like, the hearts being ripped out of a 100,000 people. Um, I hate to bring up a sore spot. When, um, when Michigan played Michigan State, oh. and that kicker, was it, like, a block punt?
0: Oh, geez. And,
1: like, you could see everyone in that stadium, and even you, like, on the couch. <laughs> like, your hearts collectively were ripped out at the exact same time. I feel like there are a thousand other um, <clears throat>
0: examples you could have used for that. But that was a great example. I screamed. <laughs> I screamed. I was pregnant. And our son was like, mommy, are you okay? And I was just like, no. But that's such a good point that there are these experiences, right? Now, I I do. I, I am a big football fan. I am definitely a a very big college football fan. And so there are going to be very few games that uh, I Michigan game specifically that I don't watch during the college football season, but I'm not able to tell you where I was, what I was wearing, where I was sitting, what I was doing Mm -hmm. for so many of the games I've watched, but that one I can see it clear as day where we were sitting on the couch, how we were positioned, what it felt like in my body when when that punt got blocked and ran in for a touchdown when we were winning the game. So that is, in fact, the nature
1: of trauma, though. What is it you always say? The body keeps the score. The body
0: keeps the score. <laughs>
1: it does.
0: You know, um, in case you don't know, it's a fantastic book by. um Uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, um, which talks about how trauma is stored in the body. And that is the very essence of traumatic experience is that um, time, different things get organized around that event. So I remember so many of the details of that event because in some way, you know, that was kind of this, yes, it was a disappointment, but in the realm of trauma, kind of this sports trauma, you know, there are other experiences in life. We forget so much of what we experience. Even those of us like myself who claim to have such a really, really good memory. And I believe I do. Mm -hmm. The human memory is not all we think it is. We actually don't remember things that happened. We remember the last retelling of how that thing happened. Over time, memories lose their edges. If your 18th birthday was the best day of your life, by the time you're 35, you're like, yeah, it was cool. And if your first, um, you know, math teacher was like the worst human ever, by the time you're like 26, you're like, yeah, I mean, nah, I didn't really like them. <laughs> Pardon the interruption. That was my... Uh, cell phone that we thought we silenced shout out to Luther Vandross never too much that is in fact my ringtone because I want to remind myself that I am never too much but that's a whole different episode we'll talk about that I'm sure at some point sorry about that but um (laughs) what the heck was I saying um oh they lose their edges right things that were really really good just become good things that were really really bad just become bad but traumatic memory It doesn't lose its edges because it doesn't go to the memory part of our brain. It actually stays active on our central nervous system, which is why literally, as you use that example, I could feel in my body that thing rising up of like, oh my goodness, when we've had tons of losses over, you know, the last several seasons and they don't feel the same. And so it's just important that I thought when you talk about uh, sports trauma being real You know, I really want to acknowledge that there are fan bases who are experiencing tons and tons of disappointment and things like that. What that also does is a person who becomes what we might consider, we outsiders looking in, disproportionately upset about a game. And I see this as a family therapist and a couples therapist one uh one partner would say and it's ridiculous it's like if their team loses you can't talk to them for the rest of the day and you know we just get out of dodge and it becomes why is this so important why is this game so much important much more important than me and what i try to help people understand is sometimes it is it's the affiliation yes but it also is um it's triggering other things in our life that it's bringing up, which is usually unaddressed and unresolved trauma from other areas of our life. That game that your team lost is just a game. But if it feels in your body the same as it did when you didn't get the reaction from your parents when something happened or something that happened in your childhood, your body is not really listening to the context of the story. It just knows that it feels that way again. And so it goes back into some trauma responses from unresolved, unaddressed things from way in the past. And we're connecting it to what's happening in the present. And so it's like, come on, man, it's just a game. But for so many people, it's not just a game because it's attaching itself to other areas of trauma within their lives. And so, you know, I want to throw that out there for people who are sports-inclined. You know, it's important to know that.
1: I know when I was younger, I had such an attachment to the Bulls. Like, when they would lose, I would actually feel it in my body to the point where I realized, like, this isn't healthy. As a, you know, 16, 17-year-old, I realized this isn't healthy, and I was able to kind of take a, a step back. That way I didn't, you know, get those responses anymore. But, you know, each loss was like physical pain.
0: So based on kind of the explanation I gave that the, the sport, sport outcome is just kind of a symptom of kind of more this unresolved, unaddressed trauma and issues and concerns in our lives. What do you think it was connected to
1: for you? I don't know. That was <laughs> a weird time, um, like 16, 17. Um, I remember maybe like a year before. Like my grandmother had passed, so I don't know if that had you know something to do with it, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was it was real. That was the year the Bulls actually went seventy two and ten, so there weren't a lot of losses, but each loss was like oh, like mm. a gut punch. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, something else that I think about when I think about kind of sports trauma would be the recent passing of Kobe, Kobe. Bryant. <clears throat> and his daughter, Gianna, and the other people who were on the helicopter. There was a, um, a, a college baseball coach, his wife and his daughter. There was another teammate and uh, mother on the plane, an assistant coach and the pilot. And so our continued prayers and thoughts and energy go out to, you know, all of those families that are impacted by that uh, tragic event. What I watched happen over the days and now a couple of weeks um, since that happened is this collective mourning that's happening across the country that I'm able to kind of see in the few, in the sporadic and very limited times that I'm able to kind of go online, look at social media, look at television, and see that there is this collective mourning, but it's complicated. And I think that's what people sometimes forget. And and while life is messy, it's I don't know what. People want to try to act like it's clean cut. Mm-hmm. And it's not, right? So there are people who are Kobe fans, basketball fans, and just kind of they have watched Kobe grow up. They've grown up watching him. And so there was this attachment and this loss felt because of him as the person that he was. Then there were people like you who... Said it wasn't as much him as a basketball player. Even though you are a sports guy, it was what?
1: It was the fact that he has a family. He lost his daughter, his wife, and his three other kids. Um, All lost a father and a sister. Mm -hmm. His parents lost a child and a grandchild. Um, You know, he had countless friends who you know counted on him. He his basketball team lost a coach and a player. So there are tons of different relationships that he was connected to that all lost somebody. So the feeling of loss is, was great for me.
0: Yeah. I remember, you know, this will be one of two celebrity deaths where I think I will never forget where I was. The first was Tupac. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the second was Kobe Bryant. And again, for neither of them, was it that I was a huge fan? You know, I didn't dislike them. It was it was honestly more of an indifference towards both. I wasn't a huge uh, Tupac fan or even really to the point, you know, his music and the genre as a whole uh and Kobe, I like basketball just fine, but I was, I'm not like a basketball fan fan and I wasn't a Kobe fan, but I was struck by how he had touched so many people and how people are responding. So I think in addition to people just feeling the connection to him and the loss, there were the relational aspects. I know a lot of men who are fathers, especially to girls, uh, there started trending the hashtag girl, uh, girl, dad. Girl dad. And kind of these stories of people I know personally who are not sports fans at all, but saying, but I have daughters and you having daughters and things like that. So there's that. But there's another aspect that I watched that became interesting and more conflictual were the people who viewed Kobe not in a positive light. And so his passing didn't spark a, you know, a sense of loss or sadness or regret um i allow myself when there's social media platforms three comments at most because i realized by the third comment it's just going to be way too much but one of the comments very early on <clears throat> when i had saw that he had uh, passed away and they reported it was someone who was who related back to him being a rapist and you know the world is better without you and while i think that is a very terrible thing to say um, the road is better without you and things. It really did remind me of the complexity of humanity. And honestly, one of the first people I thought of, even before that comment, was the young lady who had ac- accused him of rape in 2003. Mm-hmm. And so how that played out is, you know, she did not go on to testify against him in the criminal um, trial. And so it was dropped and things like that. And, you know, he apologized and thought, but I thought how complex humanity is, and what this experience might be like for her. Now, as a sexual assault survivor, who got a call to tell me that one of my offenders had been killed, I have never in my life felt more conflicted than that moment in my entire life. I don't know if you remember, I was with you Mm -hmm. when I got the call early on in our dating, and i had so many emotions happening me happening in me at one time it was almost unbearable and i'm a person who has a very high capacity to to feel and manage and understand my emotions it was overwhelming the vast different areas and directions all of these emotions were coming from and they were all strong and so i thought of her when kobe passed and just how complex this must be and for people all over the complexities of mourning, especially when a celebrity, is someone who's touched so many lives, because what it does, like I talked about with sports is it starts to unearth some of our unaddressed trauma, some of our, you know, some of the things that we forgot happen and have been stored and pushed down mainly for our safety You know, our brain is determined. It is not safe for us to walk around thinking about this. So we're just going to repress it or suppress it and just put it in different places so we don't have to think about it on a regular basis. But Kobe's passing, I think, highlighted and illustrated for me what I know on a regular basis, working one-on-one with families and clients and things like that, is that life is so complex. Mm -hmm. And anytime we try to simplify it into this or that, we're wrong. Period. They're so. I mean, the black and white thing that we want to put things in—it just doesn't exist. Very little black or white. A you know, a whole lot of gray. Life is lived in the gray, and if we do not embrace the gray, then we are really simplifying, oversimplifying things that are way, way more complex. So yeah. Anything else on you know sports trauma and ways that that plays out that you think we should mention?
1: No, except for that, one more thing I would mention was is that good things also affect um, people as a whole. So you could see how you could see a heart being ripped out, you can also see the joy of like, you know, buzzer beaters and things like that. You can see like an entire arena at the exact same time feel that sense of, you know, jubilation. I think it's a sense of community and I think that's one of the big things that sports brings and I think that you know, keeping on the therapy side, community is huge. You have somebody that way, you know, you, you have shared experiences. Mm -hmm. You are not alone.
0: Yeah, that, that is key. Thank you. You know, when I hear that, I think like you have people like New York, the Yankees, they're a very good baseball team. I think they've won several world series. This is me way outside of my element, but I'm assuming um, (laughs) they're really good. Um, You know, you have the Bulls who have won six championships. I know that because I live with you and you talk stats all the time, but there's, there are moments when I think about when Cleveland, when LeBron and the Cavaliers won that NBA championship. Mm-hmm. That yeah, you can call it LeBron's team, but that was for the city of Cleveland. You know, I have a really good friend who is from Cleveland, diehard. You know, and that 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 was that was that was the land for her. You know, and that her and some of her friends went back to Cleveland for the parade. I think about. Um, I think it was Boston. Am I making this up? World Series, we're going back to baseball, yes. you know, some some very large amount of years mm-hmm. that they hadn't won and when they win. And so you're right. Like it's not just the shared experiences of loss and tragedy, but it is the shared rejoicing and celebration of these big events and I think that's super cool. Um so great. So as we get ready to wrap up, um I would love to hear maybe a fun fact about you. Something that people may not know about you or something that they can take away saying, okay, you know, he's a sports guy, but what's something else interesting about yourself? And I purposely didn't prep you with this question. So I want it to be a little more organic. (laughs) I'm
1: I'm a music junkie as well. I have a diverse portfolio. Of musical genres that I I listen to, pretty much everything but but country okay. and heavy heavy metal. But country, I do love Kenny Kenny Rogers, The Gambler. That's <laughs> that
0: is your song.
1: That is my jam. I can listen to that <laughs> all day long.
0: All right. Well, one last question I would like to ask you because I get asked this question a lot and I can't answer it. Um, I get a fair amount of people who want to know how my husband feels being married to a therapist. So I have the opportunity now for you to share with people your perspective on what it's like to be married to a therapist.
1: It's, it's cool. I have no problem with it. Um, free therapy if I need it. Um, and I think husband and wives, they, you know, I made up this word, therapize each other anyway. But I just happen to get it from a professional. Um, so, but no, really, I think it's fine. Um we both have, like, our boundaries, you know, that you... Mm-hmm. I know you won't, you know, start taking notes and <laughs> trying to diagnose me. You won't pull mm-hmm. up the the DSM 5000.
0: <laughs> Just five.
1: <laughs> you know, um, and start to try to diagnose anything. Yeah. So,
0: well, it's... in addition to that being unethical and illegal, I won't do that. But, yeah, I think we have really good boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. I have good boundaries as a therapist in the sense that... Um, I know that when I'm with a friend, when I'm with my husband, when I'm with my kids, they don't need a therapist. They need a friend, a wife, and a mom. And so I try to make sure that I'm stepping into those roles. I will say the same things. I think a lot of the characteristics that make me a good friend and a good wife and a good mom are my ability to create safety, to be empathic, to see, hear, and understand people. All of those things cross over professional and personal, but I, I do attempt to... You know, being a good listener, I think, is who I am. That's not me trying to be a therapist when I'm with someone else. But I always, my analogy is like, you know, being connected with me personally is like being connected to someone personally who sells Mary Kay. Like occasionally you get some free stuff. You're going to get some, you know? lip, some lip gloss, some lip balm. <laughs> you, know? But, you know, I, you know, having those boundaries is so cool. Well, I genuinely appreciate you being here, being my first guest on the podcast. As a matter of fact, really being the 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 two-handed push I needed to actually do podcasts. Yes. Um so you know, I, I had some trepidation about it initially. Um, and you have been supportive along the way, so much so across the you know, just my opportunity publicly to say, you know, I've never had a bigger cheerleader, I've never had a bigger support. I've never had someone who would hold hope and belief in me and what I could do until I was ready to hold it myself. So for that, I thank you. I love you. And uh, I really appreciate...
1: Trying to make me cry.
0: (laughs) I really appreciate you being here. Um, So, you know, to our guests listening, I want to thank you for listening to an episode of the Labors of Love podcast uh, with my guest, Jay Sugg Today. Don't forget to rate and what's the other thing?
1: Uh, five stars.
0: Give us that five-star rating five comment, stars. comment. You know, share the post that we uh, we got out there saying that the podcast is here. We really do have some good content. We have some great guests coming on. And I want to be able to share this with as many people as possible. So thank you for listening. You can reach us um, on the web at www.thelaborsoflove.com. We're on all the top social media platforms. And if you have any suggestions for guests, any topics you'd like us to talk about, or just feedback in general, feel free to reach out. Until we connect again, be well.